This is The Culture Code with Kevin Cruz, founder and CEO of LeadX, the platform that helps you scale and sustain a high-performance culture. Hello, everyone. I'm Kevin Cruz. Welcome back to another episode of The Culture Code. I'm very excited. Our guest today is the Chief People Officer at Dave. Her name is Shannon Sullivan. Shannon, welcome. And where are you joining from today? I am in not sunny Columbus, Ohio. (laughs) Great smack in the Midwest. I'm in just outside Philadelphia. So we kind of share a a weather pattern or whatever you have today, I'll have for the next day or two. So it sounds like your weather is going to ruin my weekend, maybe. That's probably the case. Sorry about that. Shannon, so we need to start with, for people who aren't familiar with your company, your company's Mm -hmm. named Dave. Tell us about the company, what you guys do, how big you are. Yeah, yeah. So Dave was born because incumbent banks poorly serve everyday Americans. So our mission of the company is really to build products that level the financial playing field, particularly serving millennials and Gen Z Americans who frankly, have long borne the burden of fees from traditional institutions. And one of the things I was shocked to learn when I joined Dave a few years ago is those fees can total up to $400 a year, which is incredibly burdensome for most Americans living paycheck to paycheck. So we really believe here at Dave that basic banking should be free. We build products that circumvent the traditional system and are really focused on enabling a better banking experience, regardless of you know, your income or financial strata that you exist within. And so uh, we have a free model where we offer free banking to, at this point, we're at over 9 million customers, no overdraft fees, minimum balance requirements. And so I think what's awesome to be part of Dave right now and what I think all of our employees feel is that our company is really relevant in a high inflation market, high interest rate environment where everyday Americans are struggling to buy gas and groceries. Dave is a great service and solution for them. Yeah, that's that's great that you shared that. And it's an important mission. Most people don't know this, but for about five years, I and some of my friends, we owned a bank, a community bank. So we grew oh, it to wow. 10 branches and then we sold it to a bigger bank. And I don't pretend to be an expert in banking. I try to be an expert in leadership and culture, but I saw from the inside, what banks need to do to try to pay the bills, especially from their side, a low interest rate environment. If I'm not making money on interest, my fees, my ATM fees, my bank account fees, my savings fees, it was pretty crazy. And things I think have gotten worse. And like you said, everybody, but especially younger professionals just getting in, those fees add up. They make a big difference. Mm -hmm. So I think the mission you're on is an important one. But tell us, where's the headquarters? How many employees do you have? Yeah, so we're headquartered in Los Angeles, but we're a remote first employer and have been ever since the pandemic started in 2020. So we have employees or team members located all across the country at this point. We're in almost every state, so we're highly distributed, and there's about 300 of us right now. I think one important note is that even though we're remote first, we bring the company together often, and it's really by choice. There's no expectation, but we find that our team members still like that in-person connection. So we have quarterly QBR meetings where we get people together, functional team offsites. We have company parties, which are a lot of fun. So we hear from our team members that they love the remote first environment, but also the opportunity to get together and, and still connect in person. 
Yeah, it's great you shared that context because I talked to chief people officers from all kinds of companies, including some with tens of thousands of employees, mm-hmm. some yeah. that have people in the office. So understanding remote first, 300 employees is a great context, you know, a lens to look at culture in a smaller remote organization. So describe what is the culture of Dave? Tell me about it. Yeah, so we are a values-driven culture. If you were to come here and, and be within our walls and meet with some of our team, I think one of the things, Kevin, you'd immediately feel is that folks that join Dave really care deeply about our members and the mission and approach our work with a customer-first mindset. We also, you know, the other two things I point to often with our culture, especially when I'm interviewing candidates and I wonder what it's like to work here. As I say, this is a culture where everyone is helpful. You start here and everyone lends out a a helping hand. They want to help you get on board, help you feel part of the company. And we're also really, really transparent. And these are things that I hear is kind of a differentiator and a bit of a moat for us when I talk to both our longstanding Daves who have been here for a while, as well as our new hires. You might be the first CPO that's used, and I love it, that used the phrase moat, like culture as a moat. Great culture, you want to let the right people in. Put that drawbridge down for the right people. (laughs) But you want to repel people that don't fit, who Mm -hmm. aren't transparent, helpful, passionate about your mission. So it starts with that hiring, of course. But what are some of the other ways that you sort of sustain the culture for the 300 Daves? Do you have a term for what you call each other? Dave colleagues? Yeah, we call, yeah, Daves, which can then be weird because everyone's not Dave, but Daves. But you kind of get it when you're here. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So what do you do to sustain this culture? Yeah. So one of the things that I've been most passionate about in my career is culture building. And I'll get back to that moat because... Culture and building really authentic culture that's real and not just values on a poster that you remember every once in a while when you look at it. But building real authentic culture is a moat because it's hard to replicate. Other companies can try, but it's hard to do it authentically. But you've got to be really deliberate about how you do that. And so there's a few things that I guess I could share that I would point to that I think are really help us sustain our culture. So one of those is ever since the company was came into being, we committed to doing weekly all hands. And that hasn't changed as we've grown, scaled the company. We've gone from everyone being in the office to being remote. And so every week we gather the entire company for an all hands. It's more than just a meeting. It's a real important touch point for our team. As I mentioned, this is a team that's really deeply connected to our members and our mission. And each week we kick that off with a member testimonial. So a live video interview with a customer where they tell us how they used our product. And I think most importantly, they tell us what we should do better. And that could be something we need to build that they want and we haven't done for them. That could be an experience they had with us that should have been different. And that just like really brings you immediately back to like, why are we here? And we do that every single week. We then within those meetings, we move on to this gets to the transparency of our culture. We highlight something in the company that's really important for people to know. It could be work that recently shipped in our learnings, like what went well, what didn't. Yesterday at our all hands, we shared a deep dive into our most recent engagement survey results and shared, again, what's working, what's not, what are we committed to doing better. And so I think those are just really meeting that's emblematic of our culture. Other things that we do, so we have affinity groups, monthly cultural events that I think are, you know, as we've expanded the team from this like homogeneous LA-based team to being in almost every state across the U.S., that brings different people, different walks of life, backgrounds. And so those events bring people together and I think are emblematic of value that we have, which is better together. I know I've said a lot, but one more if I can slip it in, because this I think is one of the most strategic things we've done that is supports our culture is... 
we run the company by a framework called OKRs. So most people in tech use OKRs. So that's objectives and key results. And they use them typically to run the business, but people are part of the business. We exist because of the team we have. And so one of the things I'm proud of is that we have an objective focused solely on our people. And it's about empowering Dave's to do their best work. And this is not just an objective that's owned by me or the leadership team or just the people team. Every department creates action plans against supporting that objective. And then we measure how we're doing that in our biannual engagement surveys. And then we like replan at a department level how we're going to change what's not working and keep reinforcing what does. And I think it's really become part of our kind of the way we work here at Dave and intentionally building culture. Yeah, it certainly is intentional. And it is rare for me to hear about weekly all hands. Um, I mean, because those are a lot of work, right? It's a big commitment for everyone. It's a big opportunity cost throughout the organization to be coming together like that. And clearly, it's been a strong point. And you're right, the OKRs, too often, it's about sales and shipping and all the rest. It's great that you're treating the people side, the culture side, just as strongly. And I'm really curious, because listeners know I'm passionate about leadership development, frontline managers, they're the key to employee engagement. Mm -hmm. And you've got 300 Daves, which means you do not have a very big budget to invest. Mm -hmm. I'm just guessing that maybe you've got 50, 60 frontline managers, something like that. Mm -hmm. So what are you doing to support them? Yeah. So when I joined Dave three years ago, so at that time, we're, I think, between 100 or 150 folks. While I asked a ton of questions in my interview process, because I wanted to know what I was walking into... One of the things that I thought was, you know, we're probably not going to have great managers. It's a startup. It's probably not something that's been, you know, prioritized. I feel so lucky because I was so pleasantly surprised. So when I came into Dave, a few months later, we started implementing the engagement action planning and surveying to get some like, you know, again, be strategic data on our workforce. And from that first survey to seven surveys later, one of the dimensions within engagement that consistently scores best in class, 80 to 90% favorable, are all of our questions related to people's experience with their direct manager. And things we hear or see is the majority of the company believes their manager gives them useful feedback on their performance. They feel their manager keeps them informed about what's happening across the company. And this is just so critical because we're in a remote first environment and managers are like so important in that environment to keep their teams together, motivated, and all of that. And so the thing I'll say there, Kevin, is so while I when I walked in, we were already doing pretty well, but I'm like a you'll maybe get this sense throughout this interview. I don't like to leave anything to chance. Some people call me a control freak. I call it intentional. And so one of the things when I came in is I said, let's spend a little bit of time defining what great leadership looks like here at Dave, because that needs to be the foundation then of everything that we build upon, how we train managers, hire, et cetera. And so we developed a kind of a grounds up way, a set of what we call people leader commitments. And there are five things that we expect our people leaders to role model or work towards role modeling. And so those are, we expect our leaders to connect to purpose, foster growth, lead through change, prioritize Dave-wide success, not just what's good for their own organization, and to communicate with clarity and consistency. And we screen all of our leadership candidates, people leader candidates against those. If you're being promoted internally into leadership roles, we assess you against those. And you know things don't always work out. So we make tough decisions when people leaders aren't living up to these commitments. But I just think that's so important to get that common unifying language of what great looks like here at Dave that people can aspire to and be accountable to. Because people leadership, I share, I think it's everything in an organization. Now, Shannon, there's a lot I want to 
underscore for the listeners there. Great answer. But before I do, you touched on the employee engagement survey, employee experience survey that had the manager effectiveness data. And you said the seven cents. So I have a feeling like there's more. I was going to ask you, like, are you doing annual engagements? Are you doing pulse surveys? How else are you getting feedback about the culture? And then I'm going to come back to leadership development. Yeah, I can talk about this for a while. So I'll try to be as succinct as I can. The way I'd answer this is, first of all, transparency is one of Dave's core values. Transparency being a core value of a tech company is not innovative. A lot of people have that. It's pretty common. But at Dave, we don't want that to be lip service. We want that that is an intentional choice to have that be one of our values. And then to have it be a value, one of the ways it has to show up is through back and forth feedback channels. And so that's something that we've really prioritized and we've absolutely prioritized it in a virtual first or remote first environment. So how we get feedback from employees, there's a few ways I can point to immediately. So one is that biannual engagement survey. The most recent one we did, 95% of employees responded and that's consistent. We're always in the mid 90s. For a 300% organization, we had 646 comments. So people are not just putting the numbers in. They're like writing their opinions and thoughts, which is awesome. And through that survey, we hear about managers. We also hear about how transformational remote work has been for people's life. I mean, I teared up reading some of the comments and kind of, you know, I feel the same way. So that's one way. The all hands, like I said, or I don't know if I mentioned this, at the end of our all hands every week, we have open Q&A. You can submit anonymous questions. You can attribute yourself to those. And then a couple of years ago, we implemented an always-on anonymous feedback tool. So team members at any time can ask a question or submit feedback, and it goes directly to me. I filter them through different leaders. And through this vehicle, we can have a back and forth dialogue with someone, even if they want to remain anonymous, because our belief is like, we want feedback by any means possible. Because if we don't know what's going on, like that is the first step to starting to erode culture. And so we want to just create all these different mechanisms that we kind of know what's going on in the organization and give people those avenues. Yeah, great mechanisms. And What I loved is the way, like when I asked about leader development, you immediately talked about looking at the data, the scores. So we would call them like manager effectiveness scores, you know, for your managers. The fact that, you know, you're not just doing it once a year and probably most of the listeners know this, but maybe not all, like most annual employee experience surveys, a lot of those questions are about the company, you know, compensation, benefits, work from home, whatever that might be. And those are great. But Ideally, in the same survey or a separate survey, there's manager effectiveness. My manager does this. My manager does that. So it's really because 70% of engagement is tied back to the manager. And in some ways, I think you have an advantage. Smaller companies have an advantage because large companies, these big departments, like every quarter, certainly every year, there's new programs. What are we going to train this year? So you've got your values. Then you've got your competency model. Then you've got your commitments. Then you've got your SL2 and your grow coaching. And then you've got whatever the flavor Everyone's confused. (laughs) Everyone's confused. And you're saying, look, we're measuring whether you're an effective manager or not. And we know what the commitments are. I mean, it's a really clear, really clear model. And congratulations on that 95%. I've looked at, I don't know, hundreds of engagement surveys from 100 companies in decades. And before I look at the actual scores, I go right into that participation. Because if it's, you know, you got a 50, 60% participation rate, like, okay, that's a disengaged workforce. They either don't even care enough to take the survey or they don't trust you that it's confidential. Anything 80 above is good. 90 is unheard of. So, I mean, that is incredible that you're maintaining that. So good job on that. 
No, thank you. I mean, that's, I mean, we share similar thoughts there. It's the number I care the most about even before I care about actual engagement, because I feel like in addition to what you said, if folks are taking the time to respond, then one other thing that's happening is they believe there's going to be a change or something sustained because they did. And so that's my first thing is that's what my team is always focused on. It's like, how do we get in the leadership team? How do we maintain that level of participation? Because that's our first stage for like, are we doing something right? And then obviously we drill into all the data. So yeah, I'm, I'm pretty proud of it too. Yeah, it's great. Well, you've shared so many great programs already, but any other special initiatives or results that you would want to share or, or chat about? Two things I think I could share. So I had mentioned we have the very specific people-focused OKR. And so I guess what I could share, there's one thing to have an OKR. There's another thing to actually deliver against that. And so I'd say the other thing that I'm pretty proud of is that we've really made significant progress since putting that goal in place. So since having that goal in place, engagement's up, company confidence is up, our turnover is employee turnover is way down relative to last year. And so What I'm proud of in that is that didn't happen by chance or because of one initiative or because the people team got really focused on engagement or reducing turnover or anything like that. Again, it gets back to departments, all the departments, the leadership team committed to taking action aligned with the OKR, just like we do against revenue or driving profitability. And so I am proud of that. I'd say the second thing is being in a mission-driven organization One of the challenges as you grow and change or you become a public company from a private company is making sure you keep your mission like front and center and you stay honest to it. And so I'm pretty proud that, you know, a company like Dave has been able to build such a strong foundation relative to our mission that people feel we are authentic to, that they can see how decisions around our products and what we're making are aligned to our mission and what we're trying to do for our customers. So I would say not an initiative, but something that we just like are constantly focused on is like, are we hitting all of our company goals and at the same time achieving our mission? Are those mutually supportive of each other? And I think so far we've been able to do that and I'm pretty proud of it. That's great. Shannon, we don't have a lot of time left, but I want to hit you with some fun, fast topics here. What if you could send a book or a podcast, maybe it's even a Netflix series to all the Daves out there Mm -hmm. and they were going to consume it, internalize it, apply it. What would you send everybody? I'm going to out myself. And if I could ever get my family to listen to this when it goes live, they'll appreciate this. So I'm not a big book reader, never have been, but I am a podcast listener. So I was glad when podcasts came around. So the one I would say that I listen to most frequently that I think others can benefit from is How I Built This with Guy Raz. And so what I like about that is it's a podcast that interviews founders and talks about their story and building companies. And so what I get from that is it's a really good reminder that success, whether you're building a business, you're building your career or whatever you're out to achieve, it's often not linear and there's going to be setbacks. And so when I listen to it, I can't help but think about the journey I've had here at Dave, which has not been linear and it's not been without setbacks. And so, you know, I really get the energy for what we're building here at Dave listening to this because I realize the challenges that we're facing, they're not unique to me. They're not unique to Dave. And it's about cutting out the noise, staying focused on what we're trying to do, being a really persistent problem solver, and also cutting myself some slack when things don't go exactly my way. And I just really think these are all valuable lessons. It's good for me to be reminded of time and time again, or time and again, um, especially when things can be just like a little challenging as you're building a company. 
Shannon, that's going to be inspirational to so many people and, and is to me. Just yesterday, I did the LeadX quarterly sync meeting. And this was actually a theme because I think, I mean, not just this year, which in the tech industry has been a little challenging, but the last yeah. few years, you know, the COVID pandemic, work issues, work remote issues, et cetera. So I think in any given day, we can personally or organizationally feel like, oh, we're behind or, oh, that didn't work out mm -hmm. or I could have done a better job of this. But if we can just sort of look at what else is going on and realize this is life, this is work, this is <laughs> yeah. an organization. Like if we're doing anything worthwhile, we're going to take two steps forward and then one or even one and a half sometimes backwards. Yeah. It's not yeah. a straight line. It's good to just cut ourselves some slack, some grace, give us some grace. Yeah. Be like, hey, yeah. we're still doing the right stuff. Let me, let me ask you this question. What's something that you know now as a chief people officer that maybe you wish you had known on day one, mm -hmm. if you could send a Slack message to a younger version of yourself, what would you say? Yeah, there's a few things. I think the thing that sticks out the most, I've actually used this to have coaching conversations with others, is I wish earlier in my career, I had prioritized more developing the kind of crucial cross-functional like influencing skills that are so essential to being a chief people officer. So to put that in account. So today I spend on average probably 30% of my time each week coaching my leadership team peers on how to have difficult conversations, how to share tough feedback with each other, how to navigate the business, you know, not just as what's good for marketing or what's good for tech, but like what's good for the entire organization and how can we lead in that way. And so I really think influencing difficult decisions making hard people decisions, communicating with authenticity is something I'd encourage like everyone to do in practice, regardless of what level you're at. And so if you're an HR professional coming up through the ranks, you all have peers, even though they might not be C-suite, but you have functional peers in other areas of the business and get comfortable providing feedback that can lead to building trusted relationships with them. And again, I had a sense for this, obviously, you know, coming into the role, but I didn't realize just how critical a, like a linchpin this role has to be in being the one that sometimes when no one else will do it, you have to provide that feedback. You have to get two people to see eye to eye when they don't. You have to coach the CEO to have a difficult conversation. And like, if you don't do it, no one else is going to do it. It doesn't make you a hero. It just means that's like the job. And that's the job of a strategic CPO. So practice it because you can't read about it and just learn it. You got to learn through doing yeah, we're doing this interview. I'm chatting with you here in October of 2023. So the new year is only a couple months away. What's going to be a priority for the people team at Dave? Yeah, so you were hinting at a few minutes ago, Kevin, uh, you know, all the layoffs and I think it was like the turnover in the tech industry and yeah. all that. And so I guess I'd pivot off of that. So, you know, as CPOs, folks focused on, you know, understanding what's going on in, in businesses and leadership, you know, we've witnessed so many significant changes in a short period of time. So there's the pandemic, we had the remote work revolution, then everyone resigned. It was like a great resignation. <laughs> then companies decided to resign you. So everyone got laid off. And now most recently, we have this reversal of the remote work revolution. It doesn't work anymore. Now everyone has to come back to the office. So each of those changes is in that period of time, a few years. Honestly, it's a bit head spinning. So for me, what's been really clear through all of that and where I'm focused where the leadership team, where my people team is focused is really around regardless of what's going on in the macro environment, we've got to really understand our workforce. We got to know exactly why they stay with Dave and what's going to put them at risk for going elsewhere because we've built 
a really good team with some really high caliber team members and we need to retain them. And so retention is a key priority. And so it's great. I love that we have really solid managers because managers are a linchpin to that. We also have a powerful mission. Our mission, I think, frankly, is a moat, but it's only a moat so long as team members continue to believe that we are delivering against our mission for our customers and that they have a role in that and a part in that. And so I think there can be an inherent tension sometimes that creeps up between you're a for-profit public company marching towards profitability and you we need to ensure that this mission remains a top priority. And so I'm really focused on ensuring that those two goals are additive to one another, that when we win, our customers win, and give it, and helping everyone see that and ultimately really focused on retaining, you know, and getting the most out of the great folks that we have here at Dave. Yeah, you bring up that issue, which I think is amazing. I, somewhere over my shoulder, I keep a balanced set of scales as the reminder of like the duality of leadership. And mm-hmm. um, yeah. Doug Kona used to be the CEO of Campbell Soup. He's a great leadership thinker. And he's like, yes, you need to be tough on standards, but also tenderhearted on people. So it's about mm-hmm. the mission yeah. and caring, but also holding people accountable for results. And that's really the yeah, time that we're living in. And there's so much change, tech change, AI, mm-hmm. economic mm-hmm. change, so much going on. What's the most exciting thing about Dave for you right now? Yeah, so I've been here for just over three years. There's been tremendous highs. I mean, we've had a lot of fun and accomplished a lot. And there's definitely been some lows we've led through. But when I zoom out, what I'm most excited is and why I stay is everything's like up and to the right. I feel like we're more clear than ever on our mission and specifically how we're going to get there. We're really putting points on the board as it relates to our key metrics, business metrics, people metrics. And like I mentioned earlier, look around and we've been able to hire and retain a really good team of people that are not only excellent at their roles, but they're deeply committed to the culture that we're building and being a part of that. And so it all boils down to what excites me is like, I'm just confident in the future of this company and what we're going to be able to achieve. And that's why I stay. That's why I'm having fun. Love it. Chief People Officer at Dave, Shannon Sullivan, thank you for spending some valuable time on a late Friday afternoon for for both of us. And thanks for the pursuing the mission that you're pursuing. Thanks for investing in culture and thanks for sharing some of your wisdom. Yeah, thanks, Kevin. This has been fun. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of the Culture Code Podcast. Are you looking to build, refine, or revamp a training program? We team up with companies like Northwestern Mutual, Cineos Health, and Duck Creek Technologies to roll out highly engaging training series for emerging leaders, new managers, women in leadership, high potential managers, sales enablement, and more. Check it out at leadx.org. What makes these series so uniquely engaging? We help you build a full system of development that leverages our cutting-edge platform and world-class training. We blend together world-class cohort-based virtual training and group coaching, personalized nudges, micro-learning, and on-demand office-hour-style coaching. Go check it out at leadx.org. Thank you.